Miss Nancy, pages 245 to 253, part 2, chapter 16. Five years after we arrived in the U.S., Mago made history. She became the first person in our family, from both sides, to get a high school diploma. I became the third person, after Mago and Carlos, to graduate from junior high. My little accomplishment might not have been much to be proud of, but I told myself that was just the beginning. Through all of his talks of the future, my father had taught me to dream big dreams. When my father beat me and insulted me when he was drunk, I would hold on to the dreams he had given me. I would think about those dreams when the blows came. Because the father who beat me, the one who preferred to stay home and drink rather than attend my band concerts or parent-teacher conferences, wasn't the same father who would tell me that one day I'll be somebody in this country. That much, I knew. A second thing to celebrate was that finally, the month before, we had become legal residents of the United States. It was just in time for Mago to not worry about being able to attend college. In Mexico, the biggest dream Mago had had was to be a lawyer secretary. Now, Mago didn't want to be a secretary. She wanted to be the lawyer who had a secretary. This was what Papi had taught us, that here in this country, we could be anything. Papi took out a $5,000 loan under his name to help her with college expenses because he said his negra was going to make us proud. When she started college in the fall, I would start high school. In the summer, I went to marching band camp at Franklin High School. I explored the campus while it was empty. It was twice as big as Burbank. My schools just kept getting bigger and bigger. I wondered what a college campus looked like. I wonder if Mago would feel lost. I wished I was old enough to go to college with her so that we could help each other find our way. The summer went by quickly and soon September was here. I would finally turn 15. I wouldn't be having a quinceanera, as I had always dreamed of. Papi said those parties were too expensive. A few months ago, we had finally moved into the three-bedroom apartment so Mago, Carlos, and I could have privacy. Papi had finally realized we were too old to be sleeping in the living room. Now with their part of the mortgage being much more than before, Papi said there was no money for anything, especially a party. I'll take you to Raging Waters, Chata, he said. The week before, he had told us we would go to the water park on Labor Day weekend. It would be my first time ever, and I was excited about it, but he couldn't fool me. We aren't going there to celebrate my 15th birthday, I said. We're going because Kingsley Maynard is having an employee picnic. I wouldn't go if it wasn't for your birthday, he said. I replied to him in English with the word I'd pick up at school from other kids. Whatever. A few days before our trip to Raging Waters, I came home exhausted after band practice. Mago arrived soon after. Together, we cleaned the house and made sure all our chores were done before Papi got home. He didn't like coming home to a dirty house. Carlos wasn't back yet. 
This whole summer, he had been going to the park to play soccer with his friends. We told him to get back before Papi arrived from work. Papi didn't like to have us out in the streets, but he had given Carlos permission as long as he didn't get back too late. But soon, Papi and me like him home, and there was still no sign of Carlos. Where's your brother? Papi asked. We don't know. He grabbed the beer from the fridge and went to his room while we helped Mila with dinner. It was seven o'clock and we still had no idea what was keeping Carlos. He'd never stayed out this late at the park. Should we go look for him? We asked. Papi shook his head. You can't be walking around the night by yourselves. Besides, your brother is already in big trouble with me. Mago and I went into our room. While I practiced my sacks, Mago bleached her arm hair. Now that she had a part-time job at a collections agency, she was always doing things to herself. She had bought tons of makeup and was always practicing in front of the mirror. But no matter how much she put on, she couldn't hide the scars on her face to her satisfaction. Come here, Nena. I'll do your arms. They're hairier than mine, she said. And look, when you bleach the hair, it makes your skin look lighter. She extended her arm out for me to see. What saved me from getting my arm hair bleach was the front door being opened. We ran out to the living room to see two men carrying Carlos in. What happened? Mago said as we rushed to help. Carlos' face was pale and covered in sweat. He groaned with every step the men took as they carried him over to the couch. His leg is hurt. One of the men said, as he wiped his dirty, sweaty face with his soccer shirt. One of the guys from the other team tried to get the ball from him and kicked his shin instead of the ball, the other guy said. Your brother doesn't have shin guards. I think the leg is broken. We thanked the men and they left. Carlos was trying hard to keep from crying. I knew he was trying to be strong so that we wouldn't see him cry. I told you. Papi yelled as he came out of his room. I told you to stop going to the park. I told you to stay out of trouble, but you don't listen to me. He turned around to go back to his room. Where are you going? Mago said. You have to take him to the hospital. Well, I'm not going to, Papi said. That will teach him a lesson. Then he went to his room and slammed his door shut. Mago and I looked at each other in horror. How can he not take him to the hospital? What if his leg really is broken? We turned to look at Mila, who was standing by the kitchen. We waited for her to say that she would take our brother. Hadn't it always been she who had taken us to the doctor anyway? Instead, she said, let me try to convince him. And we went into their bedroom. We sat on the couch with Carlos. He winced in pain at any little movement. He said, it really hurts, Mago. I can't stand it anymore. And he finally broke into tears. I couldn't remember the last time I'd see him cry. Even when Papi beat him, he'd hold in his tears and wouldn't cry. Even if it made Papi get madder and hit him harder. Mago got up and went to knock on Papi's bedroom door. I didn't know why Mila hadn't come back out. You can't leave him like that. He's in a lot of pain. 
Mago said as she banged on the door, but there was no answer. Mago went into the kitchen to boil water. She came back with a pot of hot water, a salt container, and clean kitchen towels. She poured the salt into the hot water and said maybe it'd keep the swelling down. I wished I had the courage to do something. Call 911. Go get the neighbors. Something. Mago and I glanced at each other and quickly looked away, shame choking us up inside, for neither of us were courageous enough to defy our father. All night long, we took turns putting hot towels on Carlos' leg. We gave him aspirin and tried to get him to sleep. It was a long night for the three of us. I thought about those nights in Mexico, of how Mago had helped us pass the time by telling us stories about our father, by digging out the memories that made her happy. But tonight, as Carlos and I looked at her for comfort, she couldn't say anything. What was there to say? I thought about the man behind the glass. I wished I hadn't left him behind. In his eternal silence, he had been a much better father than the one we lived with now. Morning came, and Papi still refused to take Carlos to the hospital. I'm not going to miss work because of your brother's stupidity, he told us. We looked at Mila, pleading with her, but she simply looked away, not wanting to go against Papi's wishes. They both left for work. With a heavy heart, Mago left for work too. I'm going to come back with help, I promise, she said. Today was my last day of summer band practice, and Carlos said I shouldn't miss it. He said, go, I'll be fine. I can't leave you like this, I said. At work, Mago told her co-workers about our dilemma, and many of them volunteered to take Carlos to the hospital. They arrived during their lunch hour. It took five people to get Carlos out of the house, two supporting him by his shoulders and the other three holding up his legs, but being specially careful with the left leg to keep it from moving. Any little movement made Carlos cry out in pain. Just as they were about to put him into the car, Papi got home. I came to take him to the hospital, he said as he got out of his truck. Well, it's too late now, Mago said. I'm the one who is taking him. He's my son. I'll take him. Mago stared angrily at Papi, and I thought she was going to argue with him about it. But she was smart enough to realize that Carlos had to get to the hospital, and it didn't matter who took him as long as someone did. She asked her co-workers to put Carlos inside Papi's truck, they ended up putting him in the bed of the truck so Carlos could keep his legs straight. We watched as Papi drove away, and my poor brother winced every time the truck went over a pothole. He came home with his leg in a cast. Both the tibia and fibula had broken. That's the only way your father knows how to be. Mila said to us later that evening. He was abused by his parents, so that's all he knows. We didn't tell Mila we were sick and tired of her justifying Papi's behavior with the same lame excuses. 
We understood what Papi must have gone through because we knew firsthand what our grandparents were like. But that didn't make us feel better. If Papi knew how it felt to be abused by his parents, then shouldn't he understand how we felt? Shouldn't he try to be a better father? I came back for you, didn't I? He would say to us sometimes when we spoke up. Then we'd shut up and lower our heads and we'd continue to take his beatings. Even the day when he punched me in the nose so hard that it broke, even as I looked at the drops of blood landing on my white tennis shoe, one by one, I told myself maybe he was right. We shouldn't expect anything better from him. He didn't forget us. After all, we were here because of him. I was in this country because of him. I had begged him to bring me. I'd gotten what I wanted, after all. How could I complain now? Simply because things weren't what we had once hoped for. On Labor Day weekend, we went to Raging Waters as planned. Mago brought her boyfriend, Juan, a guy she had met at school. Her first official boyfriend since Papi had finally given her permission to date. They told me I could hang out with them, but I knew I was just going to be in the way. Besides, I didn't like Juan. Not that there was anything wrong with him. It was just that now, instead of spending time with me, Mago spent her free time with him. I wished Papi hadn't allowed her to have a boyfriend. But Mago was turning 19 the following month. And even Papi couldn't keep her from growing up. I was afraid of the day when she'd no longer be my Mago, but someone else's. Mila and Papi spent the day together, too, talking to their co-workers. Because Carlos' leg was in a cast, he had no choice but to stay in the same spot, watching over our stuff. I spent the day by myself. I walked from one side of the park to the other, wondering what rides to go on. Most of the kids had someone to ride with. I seemed to be the only person in Raging Waters who was alone. After a few rides on my own, I decided to call it quits and went back to hang out with Carlos. Why don't you go on rides? He asked, looking longingly at the blue pools glittering in the sun and the big water slides all around us. So many years dreaming about swimming in the pools of La Quinta Castrejon, and now that we were in a place a hundred times more beautiful, we couldn't enjoy it. It sucks going on them alone, I said. Well, it sure sucks being here like this, he said, raising one of his crutches. So he and I sat there, watching kids run around, dripping wet, going from ride to ride, laughing and screaming, until finally it was time to go home.